0: Welcome back to the Base Training Podcast. Um, as always, I'm here with myself, Ricardo, Will, Shafty, and Stefan Winder. And this week we're going to be talking about exercise and pregnancy. Uh, it's been to- It's a topic that um, some of us have been discussing with our clients who have recently uh, been pregnant or are now pregnant, and, uh, and how we manage their program um, as close up to keep them fit and moving whilst they are pregnant and going through this and uh, post-pregnancy uh, but as always first I'm going to tell us tell you lot where you can find us um, you can find myself Lee Carter UK on Instagram LinkedIn and Facebook and email Lee at base.training for more information um, or if you want to get in touch Stefan where can everyone find you uh,
1: so uh, Instagram at coach underscore Stefan underscore Winder uh, Facebook Stefan Winder strength and movement coach Uh, LinkedIn, Stefan MSC, and email Stefan at base.training.
2: What about you, Will? Um, So, Instagram is coach underscore Will underscore Strathy. Facebook, Will Strathy Health and Fitness Coach. LinkedIn, Will Strathy, Will at base.training is the email.
0: Awesome. And if you want any more information about base training, you can email one of us or you can just email info at base.training. Or head to our website, www.base.training, and you can get more information there. You can even book a consult with one of us if you want to. So, hex size and pregnancy. What is pregnancy? (laughs) For those those that don't know. No, we don't need to go into that. So what are some of the factors that you guys have been um, considering when working with a pregnant client?
1: Uh, so for me just kind of start where you start with every client Uh, so it's basic assessment what's changed versus the usual Uh, are there any anomalies Uh, then and you kind of partition that into three sections so you've got uh, like movement, exercise nutrition and lifestyle factors and you just kind of assess all of those and compare that to what they would normally look like based on previous assessments and just kind of assess what's maybe out of the ordinary, what's not the standard that we see for that particular client and uh, basically go from there. So it's, you can't really say what you're going to do with that person until you've done that basic assessment to see what's changed.
0: Yeah you can't, like you, you said, you can't move forwards without some form of starting point um, and things are going to change aren't they in the body. Um, during pregnancy, so it's important that we keep track of that through regular assessment. And I think it's important to note that we're not going to be thrashing someone at this point and putting them through a max effort one rep max back squat test. Um, we're going to do some basic movement. What sort of movement tests would you do? Uh,
1: so. You can do some mobility type tests, a kind of range of motion. Has that changed? Are they able to, are they now able to get into positions they couldn't previously, or are they no longer able to hit certain positions that they could previously? Um, That's one of the first things I do. Um, It's just assessing any changes in mobility. Um, And then there's also actual uh, competency tests. So can they perform this movement? Can they perform that movement? And basic regressions and progressions of each of those to see uh kind of what level they are at have they changed are they still at the same level for now uh are they no longer able to do certain competencies and just kind of work it from there you've just got to progress it and regress it based on what you see and what the outcome of each test is that you do um, and also just a, a low intensity work capacity tests um, to see if that's changed uh, are they now has their aerobic capacity diminished because they're now catering for two people? Or has it stayed the same? Has it potentially improved because increased capillarization and things like that? Um, So yeah, it's really, really interesting. You just got to do it case by case basis, I think is the biggest, most important thing.
0: Yeah, everyone's an individual, aren't they? So they're gonna need individual prescriptions as we keep banging on about. (laughs) And it just seems to keep coming back to that. Uh, Not a one size fits all. Approach is really going to help in this case. We do need some form of individualisation. Um, so, in terms of movement, I think it might be good to stick on that a little bit. what um, you've done the assessment. What sort of things are you considering now in the actual training program, the exercise training program, and not necessarily lifestyle
2: and nutrition? Well, we'll have a go. Um, so, obviously, like. As pregnancy is the one of the most stressful things that the human body endures, you have to factor that into the training and understand that we don't need to be adding additional stress, undue stress into the system. Uh, so obviously you need a lot of management to do the intensity of the training and the volume of the training as to give the, the minimal effective dose required. Um, so we don't overstress that system. Um, so keeping it lower volume and lower intensity than normal um, to factor in for that. And I'd say start to work on aspects of training that are going to have the biggest impact during during their pregnancy. So the common like, ailments that you'd see would be like lower back pain and upper back pain to so work on getting them nice and strong, work on getting their hips nice and stable as they continue to waddle around at late in pregnancy <laughs> that they, they don't get like hip pain from that instability there that the, the movements should focus on things that would benefit their pregnancy um so at this point they' like you have to remove the aspect of enjoyment out of it and work on the necessities for a healthy strong body
0: around those circumstances yeah, you have to think about health you've got no other choice but to think about exercise for health now it's no longer uh, exercise for performance as such Um, i think it's important that you mentioned about the stability and in terms of the assessment the range of motion and stuff assessments joint laxity is going to become a big thing it needs to happen so maintaining some sort of stability because the things that um, other than your ligaments and uh, tendons that keep your joints in place your muscles your muscular system needs to be of high quality enough to control different positions and enable, or if someone's already extremely mobile, which again, generally speaking, females tend to be a bit more mobile than males, um, because of force production capabilities and needs and things like that. That's only going to get worse as such that's the right, right way of putting it. Um, range of motion is only going to increase, joint laxity is going to increase um, and stability is going to decrease potentially. Um, so making sure we maintain high quality motor control um, for all varying types of contractions in as many different positions as you can, it's going to be very important things. Um And the management of mechanical stress now, because as you pointed out, we're we're now thinking about health it's not about performance anymore so too much stress is going to be a problem for pregnancy um, for the health of the unborn baby um, and for the health of the mother so you need to make sure that we're managing stress and applying as well said the minimum effective dose um and we, we've been you have to be extremely conservative conservative about it so if you are managing this on your own and you haven't got a coach you need to err on the side of caution at all times. I think um, something probably psychological for most people, that kicks in. Some know the clients I've worked with in the past, they, they do become more cautious about what they're doing with their body. But there is that addiction if you're in, into a high intensity workout program before that, you're most likely gonna be addicted to it. If, um, those that get withdrawal symptoms from high intensity exercise that is probably a mild form of addiction and you're not training for health at that point so um understanding that your body is changing and not that we need to tell you that um and you need to manage stress
1: um my client who is pregnant um she mentioned that typically she would like to get carried away with exercise and intensity would gradually start to increase but since being pregnant she's noticed that her body is actually uh, preventing her from reaching that level now anytime she starts to creep up the intensity her body is basically first line of defense saying no we don't want to do that for the health of the baby so as soon as she starts to increase slightly and breathing rate gets a little bit more or, or gets a little bit higher um she actually is no longer able to cope she feels physically sick now um, the body is almost saying like no we don't want to do that because it's not it's not healthy um, so your body actually creates these defenses to because its first thing like its first priority is the protection and the growth of that baby so um, that's something that's quite interesting and if that is something that you typically suffer with then your body will tend to avert you away from those things to make sure that you do prioritize the baby's health
0: yeah, it's no time to be um, trying to show how tough you are, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, is it? This is a, especially if you have the um, capabilities to. you can take a bit more time to relax and take it just a little bit easier. Um, not, that's not to say that you should stop completely, because um, exercise is good. It's good for us or the during pregnancy and for the unborn child, um, but too much of it is, can be very damaging. Um, it's not a good thing. So talk a little bit about um, the movement side of things. What about lifestyle? What sort of things do you guys do in terms of assessing lifestyle? What what are you looking at? Uh,
1: So, again, you've just got to do your basic assessment to start with. Um, What's changed? Um, Is there a capacity to work, like depending on the trimester, um, like the phase of pregnancy, do they still have the capacity to go to work? Um, looking at things like this because obviously work as we know is an internal stressor um, the traveling around work as well um, going out eating if you're in the city um, pollution all these things are big stressors so it really depends on the phase of pregnancy at this point uh, so you just got to look at the, the lo- regular lifestyle habits that they were doing prior to pregnancy and just establish what has changed and what hasn't changed and work your Uh, your lifestyle situation around that to manage stress as best as possible?
2: Uh, Obviously, one of the biggest ones is sleep. There's a high chance that's going to become affected by it. Um, So a sleep diary is probably a good point, a good thing to do at this point. Um, You can monitor uh, and kind of start to notice any patterns if they're waking up what uh, odd times, how are they feeling, what sort of things are causing them to wake up, and you can start to like plan around those because uh, there's a high chance things that are waking them up at the start are probably only going to get worse as they go through. Um, so you can start to kind of manage around that. Maybe you start to include some sort of uh, midday sleep protocols as well so they can get those extra, that extra time in. Um, but I'd probably recommend a sleep diary uh,
0: and kind of the noting of patterns around that. Yeah. Yes. Agree, I agree. Yes, approval. Yes. It's just the basics, isn't it? Um, managing your circadian rhythm as much as possible. Um, one that, interesting one that I, I didn't think about was pollution and how that can possibly affect the future health of your child. I know that um, children born in cities have high incidences of things like asthma and allergies. Um, purely because of the, the state of, that they're living in, the, the, the level of pollution that they're living in. Um, and there's also things to start to consider is, um, like the the birthing process, where you do it, when you, or when you do it, the, again, there's a lot of research into um, like cesareans versus uh, natural births and the use of drugs and things like that and how that can potentially affect the future health and long-term health of a child, again, increased instances of things like asthma and allergies um, for those born through C-section because they don't get the same level of bacteria coming out of the vag- uh, vaginal canal and the birth canal and so on and so on and that whole thing about um, uh, women pooping when they're giving birth and uh, the babies coming out face-, face into it there is an idea that <laughs> proposed that that is a um, Way of giving bacteria to the child to help it to so it can populate its stomach and uh, increase its ability to fight off infections and digest food and so on because we are more bacteria than we are human actually, which is a strange strange idea, but yeah that that stuff all affects um, the child going forward so it's, I think that's a huge lifestyle consideration. Um, as well, uh, but yeah, pollution is, is, is an interesting one when it comes to nutrition. This is a big one. We talked a little bit before this about cravings uh, um, craving coal, and um, found that it's called Pika uh, 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 a problem, not a problem. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a suffering from, I'm not, I'm not sure, what would the word be? Would it be problem, disease, um, <laughs> a psychological disease. state? <laughs> Let's call it a, a state of craving food, or things that aren't food, um, Colby being one of them. So what sort of things are you considering? Again, you've done the, you're have done you doing the assessment at this point. It always comes back to assessment first. Um, what sort of things are you considering?
1: Um, yeah, so... But again based off the assessment so it could be what are those cravings and why are they potentially craving those things um when we were talking previously before we came on we were saying that maybe this could be the body's way of identifying vitamin and mineral deficiencies because um, uh, as as will said like some people just really crave a jar of like pickled onions and there's a reason for that um onions are very high in, in vitamins and minerals um so plus the vinegar itself. Uh, so yeah, Fermented, can,
0: isn't it? Bacteria.
1: Exactly. Uh, so people can be craving things for a specific reason. So you've got to nail down, is it just a craving because you're hungry or is it a craving because you need something and you're deficient? Uh, so you, as a coach, really have to identify that and be very vigilant with your client when you're talking these things through and identify the potential reasons behind particular behaviours. And um, And also the other thing is quantity of food, um, calories. You're eating for two people now, so eating what you ate before pregnancy isn't going to cut it. And a lot of women, especially in that first trimester, suffer from severe fatigue and quite often morning sickness. And this is often down to the fact that they haven't actually got adequate calories and fuel in the body to supply energy for two people. Uh, Because in that first trimester, that, that baby goes through an extreme amount of change. It goes from a cell to a fully grown, well, not fully grown, but to a person, uh, an organism in the space of 12 weeks. And that's rapid change. So there's a lot of upset that goes on in the body, a lot of hormonal imbalances. So nailing down uh, both calorie intake and specific macronutrient and micronutrient breakdowns as well, as hydration is extremely critical to ensure that the health of yourself and the baby.
0: Cool, <laughs> I didn't realize you'd stop there. Yeah,
2: you got off too soon. yeah. sorry, it's
0: like end off, I'm out.
2: Yeah. Done. Done that
0: yeah. In terms of uh calories, like just focusing on the amount for the second, like what sort of increases have you prescribed for your clients or what guidelines have you given them?
1: Uh, so at the minute we try to do it as gradually as possible. Um, because there is so much change going on, we don't want to change too much of the external factors as well as the internal. Uh, so it's just very incremental and based on evidence. So we're setting every two weeks just checking in what's working what's not working have you been able to stick to this for two weeks have you not why why not and based off of that we're then making subsequent changes so for instance right now um my client she's very kind of her metabolism is naturally quite endomorphic quite low revving um, so she's got very low tolerance to carbohydrates um, she, and she's feeling very very sick anyway so any kind of carbohydrate just adds to that sensation of feeling sick and obviously i don't want her to constantly feel it i don't want this to be a, a horrific process for her i don't want pregnancy to be like i don't want to do that again i want it to be an enjoyable experience so um right now to, to compensate for that lack of carbohydrate we're increasing fat um because she is more tolerant to fats and also We need, as I was saying before, with uh, micronutrients, vitamins and minerals, uh, we've got fat-soluble vitamins. So fat intake is incredibly important to ensure that we can absorb all those broad varieties of micronutrients that we're taking in. So for her currently, she's taking... uh, She's doubled her fat intake and we're just going to stick to that for two weeks and see how her morning sickness is going and see what her energy levels are like throughout the day. So it's just literally monitoring... Consistent energy levels throughout the day, before and after eating, and um, yeah, and uh, how the morning sickness is—is is she being sick every morning? Has it now moved to a different time of day? Has it gone completely? Um, and just tying that into the stage of pregnancy as well. So she's just coming up to the end of the first trimester now, so we should start to see a reduction in morning sickness. Um, so, so next week we're going to reevaluate and see how she's feeling. Mm-hmm.
0: I've, I've done so I've done took taking a similar approach I've uh, offered like, guide, like guidelines to my clients that have been pregnant in the past um, having only one at the moment in terms of <clears throat> with the re- regular reassessment as well of going okay well how have you felt this week so yeah I' have felt more and more hungry so okay well we we, we don't want to deprive the client but obviously' it's, it's going to be easy for them to overeat so we are usually given them guidelines to um, work with based on how they felt the previous two weeks so you're kind of working um, react a little bit reactively I've done yeah. instead of proactively um, as you just don't know what's going to happen and how that person's going to react to the to the pregnancy and obviously the basic one of just being staying hydrated we know that, that um, pregnancy tends to make women go to the toilet uh, a little bit more um, just because of the way the uh, uterus presses on the bladder and all that. Um, but making sure we stay hydrated is going to be incredibly important. Um, about 50% of your body weight as a bare minimum, um, in ounces that is, it's going to be a good place to start if you're not doing that already. I think all this speaks to um, how well a, because as Will said at the start, it is a massively stressful experience both physically and psychologically that the woman's going to go through. And the postnatal part is is going to be buffered by the prenatal part. If you're managing your movement and your lifestyle and your nutrition well throughout your pregnancy, um, you'll bounce back much quicker than uh, you, you hear about people that... Um, take a good couple of months to recover and then you hear about people breaking a world record six weeks later right I think it was, Jess en- was it Jess Ennis um, was it nine months off? nine or ten months after her having a baby she won gold at the Olympics or something like that or won world championships um, and a lot of that would have been down to her approach before that obviously being an elite level athlete being super fit um, and her Approach um, going into it and during pregnancy, and it will help you bounce back really quickly. I know the clients that I've had that have trained appropriately up until pregnancy. One of the last clients that did it was training. I think it's two days before we were doing some uh, sumo deadlifts, really low weight, loads of rest, taking the time. Um, I think that's two days before she was two days before she had her baby and uh, she says the pregnancy was the easiest one she's had I think She had three kids at that point yeah three kids um that was the easiest easiest one out of all of them um, and the difference was is that she was exercising regularly before getting pregnant and during um, and appropriately which is interesting i think that's might as well leave it there we said we were going to keep it short we said we're going to try and keep it to 20 minutes and we've hit 23 and a half so not a bad bad, (laughs) (laughs) we're getting better Um, but it's important to consider your movement, your lifestyle and your nutrition um, the management of stress the management of intensity and volume um, limiting factors trying to remove as many as possible and and constant or, or regular reassessment with someone if it's not a coach if it's a midwife or a doula I think they call them um, or professional specializing in that area um, it's important to consider all these things so um, if you haven't done it already and you're considering getting pregnant in the future then you should probably start exercising because exercise will help your um, and your nutrition will help your chances of getting pregnant so um, especially if you've been trying for a while so yeah let's leave it there any final thoughts guys uh, no, no, no. Excellent stuff. All right, we will leave it till next time. Peace out.